The Incomparable. Number 507. March 2020. Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable. I am your host, Jason Snell, and in this episode, we're going to be talking about something uh, a little bit different for us. We're not going to be talking about a particular work. Uh, we're going to be talking about a franchise and where that franchise goes next. And, of course, it is our beloved Star Wars. After the conclusion of the Skywalker saga with The Rise of Skywalker, Star Wars is in a really interesting position where they've got, like, a Disney Plus series and they've got some other Disney Plus series on the way. But there's a really open question about what they do with this franchise overall. Do they focus on TV? Presumably, this is a giant film franchise. They need to go back to the movies, but we've got a lot of mixed signals. We've had, like, people like the Game of Thrones guys were announced to do Star Wars movies, and then they were de-announced from doing Star Wars movies. (laughs) So I thought I would gather some panelists together to talk a little bit about just throwing some ideas around where do we think Star Wars as a franchise might go in the future? Because I feel like we're at a point now, this is sort of like a a follow-on to our episode when Disney bought Lucasfilm, where it's sort of a moment to pause and reflect and wonder, like, where does it go from here since this is a franchise we love so much? So joining me to talk about all of these issues are four wonderful panelists. Dan Moran is here. I wouldn't do a Star Wars episode without Dan don't check the archive. Maybe I did once, but I try not to. Son Hi, Dan. of uh, Always in Motion is the Future, Jason. Uh, that's a reference, and it's probably not Mr. Spock. Kelly, <laughs> Kelly Gamond is here. Hello. <laughs> Hi. I'm really excited to be here and making sure that there's a girl involved in all of this Star Wars discussion. It's important to have a girl involved in all the Star Wars discussion, I think. You volunteered. Thank you. Mon- I did. Very excitedly, I might add. Monty Ashley is also here. Hello. I just hope they resolve that trade dispute once and for all. <laughs> they never did. Whatever happened the to that? The negotiations barely even started. <laughs> trade negotiations, a Disney Plus miniseries. You should save that for the actual show, not the intro. You, you are right, Monty. The negotiations were short. Um, <laughs> and another person I like to get on all Star Wars related content on The Incomparable, John Syracuse. Hello. I'm just glad Kathleen Kennedy deferred to us and is going to let us decide this. That was really big of her. It is. It's very kind. It's very kind. It's uh, Bob Iger really just decided to, uh, he's, he's, he's checking out Bob Iger in his last year and a half as, as a, a big wig at Disney. He's just uh, working on the creative stuff, so, he says. Kathleen, let the podcasters figure it out. Let the, they will, uh, can you imagine? <laughs> oh my. Well, if it was the podcasters and not the YouTubers. Not just any podcast. He didn't say <laughs> let the YouTubers figure it out. I think that's a very important mm-hmm. uh, distinction. Right. Let, let the YouTubers die. Kill them if you have to. <laughs> <laughs> Wipe them out, all of them, and so forth. Yes. Exactly. All of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the movies, the big nine episode movie thing is over. And I just, I feel like this is a moment to say, what is Star Wars next? And what is it going to be? We had the Mandalorian. They're coming back with more of the Mandalorian. There's apparently going to be this Obi-Wan series on Disney plus that has been announced. And then like went back, probably, went probably ba- going to happen went back because they weren't happy with the scripts and it might be shorter and who knows what's going to go on there. But, um, I, I, I feel like, uh, we should, we should figure this out. You know, again, Kathy Cam doesn't need to listen to this podcast, but I think we, we <laughs> should talk through, like, what do you want to see from Star Wars, especially on the big screen, but I think on Disney Plus is going to be another another big outlet for this. And should they architect another 
uh, trilogy? Should they create a shared universe, sort of like the Marvel movies where there are a bunch of different characters who maybe come together later? Should it be in one setting or should they go back into the past? What are the fundamental elements of Star Wars that need, need to be there for it to be Star Wars? These are all my many questions. Um, and it's very <laughs> difficult if I ask you 20 questions simultaneously. But uh, I thought I'd maybe start with an opening statement, as it were, John Syracuse, do you have any thoughts about where the, uh, especially the Star Wars movies might go from here and what you're looking for? Yeah, my my thoughts kind of like connect directly to what I said in the Rise of Skywalker episode uh, in that those those nine movies in the end could not escape the shadow of the original trilogy. Uh, and, and that was both good and bad. And it, now facing the you know the end of that where do you go from here i see two possibilities both of which i'm pretty good with uh one possibility is it's not cheating but it's like you have you have a very popular franchise that people love right you can use this opportunity to essentially make new ip with a built-in audience because it has the word Star Wars in it and you share a few things with the settings. Like, you can essentially do anything. You can come, pretend you had, you know, you, you have to be within the Star Wars universe, but you can make any kind of story with any kind of character. Like, the universe is big. The galaxy is big. There are plenty of things you can do. And if you just smuggle that out as a series of really good movies that happen to have the word Star Wars in them, and maybe there's some lightsabers and some force, but maybe not even... It's an amazing opportunity to do to, you know, get a multi hundred million dollar budget for a sci fi action adventure movie or insert genre of your choice that you think is compatible with that universe and totally leave behind the Skywalkers, their whole saga. You could be hundreds of years in the future, hundreds of years in the past, totally distant. You could be in a different galaxy a long time ago in another galaxy far, far away. <laughs> you, you, Whoa, could, you know, right? so, that, so that's wait, approach wait, wait. number one. Approach number two, which I think is also would be a cool thing, and I think is one of the best case scenarios, is you TNG this sucker, right? Hmm. So TNG did not escape the shadow of TOS, right? I mean, I this think is, for was, those who are listening, we're referring to <laughs> Star Trek here. This podcast is what? over. Yeah, you already you already brought up Star Trek uh, very early yeah. on. I know you 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 be. I thought yeah. I might have been the Thank first, you. but yeah. Um, uh, didn't they even feature like Spock at various times in TNG or have yes, some of and the... Yes, and Dr. McCoy was in the pilot. Uh, right. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. And, they had, and they had the crossover movies and all that stuff. Like TNG did not pretend that it was going to say, well, we've, we're all done with Kirk and Spock and I mean the Enterprise or ship, you know, didn't pretend that at all. But TNG said, look, if this is going to be a thing, we need just new characters and a new story. Picard is not Kirk. You know, Data is not Spock. I mean, you can. there are some analogs there, but in general, it's a new set of characters. And it's a new set of characters that fans of Star Trek came to love because it was a good show and they were good characters and they were a good story. That's like, and that's something that the, uh, the final, the final three of the nine movies did, did not really do. Like the old characters hung on for the whole thing. We had a bunch of new characters, but it wasn't a, a TNG. There was not like a new crew or whatever. So anyway, those those are the two the branches in the forest I see for the movie franchises in particular, is that you can go an entirely new direction using Star Wars as a springboard as an excuse to do something that you could never do before, a very high budget, essentially new IP, but, you know, smuggled through a Star Wars candy coating, right? Or 
you could do a TNG. And I would be happy with either of those approaches, provided they're done well. And that's my meta message of this whole thing. Like, I'm, I'm good with almost anything. The key is... It has to be good because the more goodwill you burn, so, by making, isn't that a given? <laughs> no, no, because some some franchises, some franchises can get away with a bunch of stinkers. Like I, I would argue that the Marvel franchise can get away with a bunch of stinkers. It did get away with a bunch of stinkers. It didn't sink Marvel that they did no. a, a you know a, a, an Incredible Hulk movie. It wasn't that good, and there was an Ang Lee movie before that. It didn't sink the you know. DC, well, this is not what sunk DC, but anyway, Green Lantern, you know. (laughs) James Bond, James Bond's got plenty of stinkers. Not every James Bond movie is a great James Bond movie, I give you But I feel like Star Wars cannot sustain that because Star Wars, it has always been sort of this, you know, the volume has been small and the quality has been high and that defines the franchise and that's what the fans expect. So it can't endure lots of uh, stinkers. You really, and especially now where, you know, they don't think they wrapped up the nine movies to the, to the universal satisfaction and praise of the entire fan base. So things are not as, you know, things are slightly more precarious. There's less goodwill available for you. So yeah, I know, I know it sounds dumb to say, oh, they have to be good, but like, I think more so than other franchises. That's true. I will, I will take issue with one thing. I think that you said, John, which is, I do feel like there are new characters that they carved out in the new trilogy that people have a lot of affection for. I agree that they, Getting it out from under the shadow of the original trilogy characters is a tough proposition. And in some ways, I feel like I wish I don't know if this is something they would be interested in doing, but exploring some of those characters uh, in other pieces of story, like, you know, whether it be a TV show or another movie, I feel like that's a much harder thing just based on the the structure of these, you know, sort of the trilogy structure of the whole thing lends itself to a very epic, you know, beginning, middle end story feeling. So slotting other stories of those characters in may not be something that you want to do on the big screen. But certainly I feel like there are characters there who have a lot of, you know, people have developed a lot of affinity for. Uh, it's just it's it's yes. the trick of, yeah. of separating it from yeah. the, the original. It's it's like seven, it's like seven through nine is is like the TNG episode with McCoy. That whole three movies is the TNG intro with McCoy. Exactly. So Ray, yeah. Finn and Poe are like they are like Star Trek Next Generation characters where people have come to like them. The problem is, imagine Star Trek The Next Generation if Kirk, where, Spock, and McCoy yeah, were, like were hanging around for time, five yeah. seasons. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, exactly. I agree with you on that. You, I agree you mean with like you on that. having Worf stick around on every other series? <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's so good on DS9, though. Uh, I, I, I was going to say, I think what's one thing that they could take away, I don't think they have to take the Marvel approach of the giant interconnected universe necessarily. I mean, at the same time, I do think that the one thing that Star Trek has, you know, Star Trek has played around with the whole let's do a parallel universe so we get to reboot it, essentially. Um, but they've also tried to maintain a certain degree of continuity uh, um, amongst all the rest of their franchises to, to a certain amount. And I think that's one thing that is a lot harder to do at this point, like you said, especially with the lack of goodwill after uh, episodes eight and nine both had sort of divisive feelings on them. I feel like if you went in, you're like, we're going to reboot the franchise. Everyone would be like, yeah. <laughs> that'll happen. But but it will, happen, but, but not, not, now. not now. Right. <laughs> like that's this is not the time that would unify the fan base, but not in a good yeah. way. <laughs> Remake a right. new hope. We got there. Yeah, everybody. We got it. We got it, everyone. <laughs> uh, we got to cover. No, but I think one thing they could learn from them, the way Marvel has approached their movies is 
having perhaps somebody who's kind of leading this vision. And I mean, you know, Kathleen Kennedy certainly in charge of the whole studio, but, you know, she's not necessarily doing all the creative day-to-day things. Um, I feel like a good choice might be Dave Filoni, who has overseen a lot of other projects in the Star Wars universe and seems to have a really good handle, uh, not only on like great storytelling and developing characters who people already really care about, but also just in terms of, you know, he has kind of the like the George Lucas blessing on the one hand, take with that what you will, um, <laughs> but also has like managed to carve out a distinct story space for himself uh, that a lot of people are very fond of. So I feel like having somebody sort of leading the charge or sort of marshalling the forces in terms of keeping everything feeling very star warsy is also important because i think you know for those of us who you know who were big star wars fans during the periods between the original trilogy and the prequels like stuff went off in like every direction for a long time there right like i mean it there really are like did. the classic marvel comics there's like splinter of the mind's eye there's you know the new series and then uh, of books and then like God, the weird aliens invading series of books that came after that and all. And like, I feel like having somebody to sort of have a, a little bit of a veto power slash, uh, you know, vision of like, not everything has to be him, but like having just sort of somebody holding the reins and just, you know, yeah. being like, all right, that's good. You want somebody who's that. in charge. You want a czar of Star Wars, a star czar, as it were. Yeah, exactly. But you want great, great people working under that, like, you know, hiring good directors, hiring good storytellers, but somebody who has some authority. And somebody in charge who's a creative, I think, is what you're getting at, too. It's not not to diminish the idea idea of an executive and a producer and sort of marshalling everything. Somebody's got to run the business, but somebody else has to tell the stories. Yeah, having a strong creative force with good instincts for storytelling. Because, like, I always always feel like I'm, you know, I should be part of the the Writers Guild just because I feel like... (laughs) Uh, that that I, I oh I, sure I, John yeah just waltz right in there yeah, not as a writer but as an advocate for writers because I always say look the writer is the most important every time I I, I realize I said this about every single movie and every single genre but the script <laughs> the script is the most important thing yeah. to me personally and I and I can argue that it's the most it's always the most important thing like maybe you can you know get by if you have amazing charisma and a cruddy script or a mediocre script but an okay story but like. Boy, you start with a good script and good characters, it's hard to screw that up. Huh. And that, I feel like, is what's so important. And so having having you know, someone with good creative instincts, like when I heard, you know, Obi-Wan series getting delayed because they didn't like the scripts. Good. Do that. Yeah, because don't right, don't right. go forward with a script that everyone isn't happy with. Like, that's mm. where it's won and lost. I'm going to keep bringing up Marvel here because they're owned by the same company. But one of the stories that's out there is that Kevin Feige, who has run Marvel and made Marvel the many billions of dollars that it has made, um, he is supposedly going to produce a Marvel or a Star Wars movie. And I think... I bring him in here just to say he is generally perceived as being the creative leader of the Marvel right. master yeah. plan. And it's not like he has, doesn't yeah. have amazing creative people all around him, but he is seen as the person who is the boss who is driving the creative decisions forward. I will also point out, like speaking of spinning off from Marvel, um, you could look at John Favreau who was mm-hmm. the mastermind essentially behind the Mandalorian along with Dave Filoni. But like it, it, yeah. Favreau has, has the credit for most of the episodes <laughs> of that show. And that's an example of somebody who's, he's a writer, he's a director and he has some real thoughts about how that project needed to go and what it needed to be. And, and it was really successful. So I think that's, I, I, I think 
you know, when we talk about Marvel and like, should Star Wars be more like Marvel? It doesn't necessarily mean a bunch of unrelated movies that then interconnect and that are released two or three at a time. It doesn't, I mean, I don't think Star Wars could do that, but I do think you look at somebody like Kevin Feige and you look at the way that that worked and you look at the people like Taika Waititi and like all the people that he's brought in kind of to the family and you say, that is kind of what Star Wars needs to have is it needs to have a leader and it needs to have a really deep bench of good creative people it's like a like a creative custodianship i kind of think of it is like there's just somebody looking out for the creative side of the property and being like we know what a good story is and you know we want to give people the ability to tell good stories like within this world but we also want to exercise some control and obviously you know there's been a lot of looking at the projects that have developed especially on the big screen over the last like 3 or 4 years or the ones that haven't developed yeah. like there are clearly people saying that was not what the direction we want to go Something's or this going is not the there. direction we want yeah. to go yeah. right <laughs> Uh, my thoughts are very similar to what we've heard already, but I want to refine a little bit. And the thing, the Marvel thing that I want out of this is uh, not just uh, somebody who can tell who has good creative instincts or good story instincts, because that totally matters. But somebody who has good Star Wars story instincts, mm-hmm. this is something for that universe. This is... Uh, this is not a story that would work well there. Um, and since we're doing a Star Wars podcast, Jason, you just said Taika Waititi, and now I'm just distracted by that movie or miniseries or whatever, because in my mind, giving him a hunk of Star Wars would be awesome. Um, but yeah. <laughs> aside from that, um, the other thing that uh, that I would like out of this is not... I know, John, you said um, that you want them to be good. Uh, I don't... I necessi- disagree. <laughs> no. <laughs> Kelly's taking I, out a bold I, position I, I said that they have to be good. <laughs> it's more important for them... More important for them to be good than for uh, lots of other franchises. Uh, but what I, what, what I want from them is care. Because I would argue uh-huh. that episodes four, five, and six are movies where the, the love put into them oozes out of every frame. And that makes it easy to forgive things like whining about Tashi Station because you can tell that like from top to bottom, every person involved in that movie absolutely cared and that what they were doing actually mattered. And like it really feels like there's love and attention in those films. And I would much rather have a slightly creaky story with a lot of care and a lot of effort and a lot of love put into it because I can forgive a little bit of creaky story. If I can tell that everybody cared more than I have all the special effects on the planet because I've created a Beowulf cluster of $50,000 Mac pros. And now I can spin up any character I want to in a minute and a half of render time. I don't care about any of that. I want a good, I want an engaging story. And the way that you tell an engaging story is to care about the characters that you're putting in this place and putting through their paces so that's the piece that i would want out of that because if you do that it automatically makes the story better and it makes the story something that more people can care about that more people can stake a a little bit of a claim in and the other piece of marvel that i would want from them is a little bit of what they did near the end of i think this was phase one or whatever that with um that we just culminated with and that is um you know we did kind of a heist movie we did kind of a buddy movie like some things like that i would like to see some of that flavor 
of stuff coming to the Star Wars universe. Like, let's have, I know that Solo was sort of supposed to be a heist movie, but it kind of wasn't. So I would like a full on heist movie and I would like the Empire to get out of it. I don't necessarily need the Empire to be any part of that. And the Mandalorian proves that you can tell an interesting story without the Empire losing. It's a great heist episode of the Mandalorian, in fact. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Monty, do you have any thoughts about like where the where where you would like to see the movies go next? Yes, I have two strong opinions. One is no more decade-spanning nine-episode sagas <laughs> that Preach. collapse. I feel like that collapsed under its own weight. And the smartest thing they did was start the serial in the middle. Because then you don't have to set things up. You don't have to resolve anything. <laughs> it's just chapter four. This is when everyone's running around and having a good time, getting caught in cliffhangers and escaping. And I get that if they called something a new episode X, <laughs> people would expect to start again in episode one. So don't do that. But whatever you do, don't say, here is a movie and it implies eight other movies that have to fit in somehow, because I don't think that works. <laughs> I, I get the feeling when they've made these announcements, like the Game of Thrones guys and and Ryan Johnson and things like that, I get the feeling that that's exactly what the problem has been, is they, they don't say, hey, why don't you come up with a good Star Wars movie? And instead, they're like, why don't you develop a trilogy of films or a whole series? It's like, no, why don't you not? Why don't you yeah. come up with a good a good movie? And then we'll, if it does well and it's good, we'll make more of them because that's how it's, Hollywood works. Well, well you got to do both because if you come up with one good movie, if, if everyone doesn't die in it, Rogue One, uh, you're going to probably want to have another movie with those same characters. And before you know it, you've got yourself a trilogy. And if sure. that's the case, maybe when you make the first movie, have some kind of plan to say, like, if this goes well, I've got a rough idea of where these beloved you, characters are You guys are, are giving me go. some real flashbacks sure. to book pitching here, guys. Well, rough, rough, ideas is, rough ideas is good. Just tell all your characters at the end of it. No problem. Rough ideas, I I don't mind, but I I do think that there is something to be said for, um, I don't want you to develop a a movie series for me. I want you to develop a good movie for me. I want you to develop like a set of characters and a setting and a time and you, and you give them a good movie. But again, if they're not all dead by the end of it, if you have successfully established a bunch of characters that that enjoyed a good adventure that was entertaining in a particular setting in a particular timing and they're not all dead. They're gonna be. But then another, you don't one. have to make an overarching plot necessarily, right? Like you right. can just I mean, have a sort of an episode. Like a new hope had yeah. an ending. They got medals. It's over. You don't need any more movies. Star <laughs> yeah. Wars, yay, we won. Right? But they found a way to make another one because the characters are still alive and everybody loved them. And the movies did really well. As a series structure, I prefer the Raiders of the Lost Ark model, where you have people having fun and it's adventure and it's over. And now here's another adventure. Well, uh, that's more of the James Bond model because yeah. eventually Indy gets really old and then he's in a refrigerator and we're all sad. Well. <laughs> he did that in this series too <laughs> not, not that I have to uh, throw in Marvel again but I'm going to keep on doing this because I think the Marvel approach is a bunch of standalones where there's just enough they're set in the same time in the same place enough that we can deal with it later but it's not like you don't get to the end of Iron Man and think oh boy I'm glad that they've plotted out a three episode arc for Iron Man or a 15 movie arc for Iron well, Man well, but they've got well, all that I, uh, but, you know they're going to go to another character they're going to go to Thor and he's on a different planet and he's a god well, it's like you don't you don't have to stay too long on Iron Man. Right, but you, you you could also make the... I mean, you know, I, I think Star Wars... Lucasfilm is clearly doing that a little bit. You, we were talking before the uh, the show a little bit about this High Republic 
uh, initiative that they've sort of kicked off with books and it's other books, media. Yeah. Right. But but it's also it's, it's a similar thing, right? Like they've sketched out a time period in which there are characters and there will be independent stories happening in them. But it sounds like there may be crossover between characters within right. those stories. So that's yeah. the very that's a very Marvel right uh, approach. Mm-hmm. Like we don't know if they're building to something longer down the road there, but like certainly within that shared universe. And so there is a, an open question of if you make new movies, should they be in a period that shares? Uh, you know, is it sort of contemporaneous with either other movies or stuff on Disney Plus? Like you could go that I, way. I do think that's a fundamental question, right? Is if you're going to do more of more star wars do you try to have a bunch of it set in the same time period or do you make it more of an anthology where you've got like this whole history past and future and present of this galaxy and you can dip in everywhere because star wars has got a it's a big galaxy and there's this long stretch of time so you could tell stories all over it like how the mandalorian is set after the return of the jedi and not during the you know uh, force awakens series but you lose the connective tissue of having everybody share a time whether it's whether it's post rise of skywalker or it's back a hundred years or it's forward a thousand years if it's all happening happening simultaneously you might build to something there's a little bit of a risk there too because even though it does have star wars on it and people will go they've seen you know mixed results to a certain extent right like rogue one i think was probably pretty successful um the mandalorian has been pretty successful solo was which i continue to argue is a good movie movie. it didn't do as well it didn't it didn't do as well and the the question is like so they've already tried that approach of like we can jump around in different time periods and tell stories those stories aren't necessarily interconnected with one another though they are interconnected with other parts of the franchise and so the Mm -hmm. question is is it like creating essentially like new ip like how much recognizable star wars dna do you need in there do you need the cameos like that with the the new ip approach uh, was my the opposite of my tng one is you can make any story like clean sheet thousands of years in either direction a whole other galaxy but the force exists ships exist and it's a star wars look and feel got it but you can just make up your own entirely new characters who know nothing about any of skywalkers because it's way before them or way after them or whatever and yeah. if you are able to do that and have an actual good story with good characters you are able to get butts in the seat because it has a star wars thing on it in a way that you couldn't if it was just like hey i made up a new franchise you know it's just whatever you've never heard of the sci-fi thing and you know there's, there's so much less risk with it being star wars if you just make a good movie and get good actors and a good director and a good script you're off to the races, especially if you've got a clean sheet, like because then then you're not trapped by anything. You don't have to have a connection to Skywalker. You don't have to have, you know, a, a hologram of Obi-Wan Kenobi. You don't have to have any of that. Uh, this gets to the other thing I want to say, which is they have to decide what it means to be Star Wars. Yeah. yeah. And what I want is right. something that's definitely Star Wars but has as little connection to the stuff I've seen as possible. And Right now, I think the people in charge feel that Star Warsy means there has to be a Skywalker on screen. They have to go to a cantina. Let's stop by Tatooine and see how things are going there. Just to be, there have to be <laughs> Jedi and dark Jedi, and they yeah, have to. And may, maybe Jedi are essential. I do think that having lightsabers that make cool sounds when you wave them around is the secret element that made Star Wars successful in the first place. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I secret. would agree. They're really cool. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> eight eight year old boys 
I speak from experience, love waving flashlights around and going boom, boom, boom. So basically, Star Wars is should actually be called the lightsaber trilogy, the lightsabers chronicles. You don't, you don't, you don't need that though. I think. I mean, I I think those things are great, but I think those don't have to be every story, right? Like I think that's don't. something that's something that Rogue One did really well. The Mandalorian has has very little. The Mandalorian, there's a little bit, uh, but like hell, I you know, and I've advocated for this for years. I love to see a series about like you know an ex the elite X wing squadron or something like that would be fun that'd be cool like they're still very star warsy right you got spaceships yeah maybe you got star galactica like, did it with the the viper episodes yeah, they're like the viper good. squadron episodes right just a you whole got series good like and that. bad like there's people yeah. maybe they're fighting the war or whatever but like you don't need to get into yeah. the force or the jedi there in every story you can do it or you can't do it all right let's take a break from the star wars talk and talk vpns instead it's our sponsor it's express vpn there are tons of VPN providers out there. You probably want one you can feel confident in and that you can trust. ExpressVPN values your privacy. They don't log your data. They don't make money selling your data. Some other services might try to do that, not ExpressVPN. They have developed something called Trusted Server. It only stores data in RAM. Super fast. You can stream HD videos with no lag. It's easy to use. You fire up the app. You click one button. I just tap. I have a little ExpressVPN app on my iPad. Tap. That's it. Connected. Done. ExpressVPN is loved by TechRadar, The Verge, CNET, and more. I've been using it for a while now. I use it in all sorts of circumstances. My favorite thing to do is to rehome if I'm traveling to get back to the U.S. so that I can watch my shows that are blocked in other parts of the world. It's very nice. But you can also use it for things like browsing in places where you don't trust who's running the internet. And that's lots of places. Couldn't be easier to use. Protect yourself today. Go to expressvpn.com slash Snell. Get an extra three months free on a one-year package. Hey, you, that creepy guy in the corner of the cafe, I I want to make sure you're not looking at my internet traffic. No, not you. The, that guy. Not you. Visit expressvpn.com slash Snell now to learn more. And thank you to ExpressVPN for sponsoring The Incomparable. If I have to summarize sort of what I'm hearing from all of you, it's that <laughs> maybe one of the challenges of doing new Star Wars is rather than replicating like every single item that's on the menu in the nine episodes of, of, of the Star Wars films that we've seen, pick two, right? Pick pick a small group, which I think the Mandalorian is really good at. Like the Mandalorian is Star Wars and there's that one episode where they go to Tatooine. Like there's a lot of fan service in the Mandalorian and yet the Mandalorian does actually feel really restrained because it's trying to limit the the palette a little bit. And because of that, I think it really oh. works. And and you don't need, every story doesn't need to have the same mixture yeah, of Star Wars right. elements, yeah. but just not doing, not feeling you have to do all of them, I think, is probably a good tip. No more Death Stars. No more Death Stars. I appreciate personal stakes in The Mandalorian so much because it's not about saving the galaxy. It's about dealing with this one problem on this one planet and then it's over. Uh, A New Hope and Empire and the original trilogy had that too because I always thought the personal stakes was Luke. You were invested in Luke's personal journey and to a slightly lesser extent Han Mm -hmm. and Leia's personal journey and it was so like yes there was a Death Star and this galaxy spanning stuff but it almost felt like when you were in the meetings about the Death Star it was like you were it was still just like a bunch of high school kids looking at each other. It's like yeah yeah yeah, Death Star Death Star but like why has Luke you know is this his big chance is he gonna do it is he like you're so invested in the personal stories of these three people that's what carries the original trilogy 
And if you lose sight yeah. of that and think, oh, no, the story is actually about the Death Star, it's not, and no. it never was. The Death Star matters for how it affects Luke. That's why they kept going mm-hmm. on about Joseph Campbell and the hero's journey back then. Yeah. Well, and what I worry about with it is um, is that Disney's going to get their paw prints all over it and that it's going to turn into something that isn't going to be any fun for anybody. Like, I don't need five seasons on Disney plus about the Dagobah Mifflin paper company. Right. Like I don't (laughs) only four seasons will be sufficient. Like two, give me two. That might be all right. I I might sit through two. Um, but I, again, I'm going to disagree with somebody, Jason. I disagree (gasps) about limiting the, this podcast is over. No, go ahead. (laughs) Uh, clutch your pearls. Cause here we go. Um, I, think that the Mandalorian expanded the Star Wars universe in a massive way because it absolutely feels like Star Wars, but there's no Skywalkers. There's a vague lightsabery situation, but it absolutely, but it's like all, it's, it's like every, it's, it's all the kinds of things that you saw for a minute and just expanding on those pieces instead. And so it's all the parts that aren't really that aren't really the things that you think of when somebody says like name five things that make a Star Wars movie. It's nothing we saw I, in the Mandalorian. I think, I think we agree because what we're both saying is there's this whole uh, Chinese menu of things that are in a Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. And um the Mandalorian doesn't check most of those boxes and that's yes. good. That's good. Like don't pick yeah. all the things. Not every movie needs a Jedi and a dark Jedi and a mm-hmm. Death Star and Absolutely. stormtroopers and like you know you don't need all the things to make a I think even a Star Wars movie you just mm-hmm. need you need enough for it to be clearly Star Wars. I would argue that they need to set it in a time frame if they're going to do a bunch of movies. I do think that there is a, a lot of benefit to be gained from at least keeping your options open for a Marvel kind of model because the the, the beauty of the Marvel model is you you can still build to that big movie where all your friends get together and fight evil but you start by learning who they are and they become your friends right and i I actually think and this is i mean john mentioned it about the about that third trilogy and those characters i wonder what all of you think i feel like ray and finn and poe are characters that have a future but i start to wonder if maybe they have a future first on their own like i might actually want to see poe on his own or finn on his own or ray on her own and maybe they meet up down the road a little bit but like i think those characters are good i just i just feel like the Mm -hmm. movie's sticking them all in one movie where they don't have enough room to grow versus you look at a marvel movie where they get to have their own adventures and then they come together and you get that Mm -hmm. magnifier but they they were in three movies together and they had a whole big arc like it's true ray i feel like ray i feel like has a more of a potential future story but uh, Finn and Poe felt like they were in service of her journey and if put off on their own like what's I feel there? like you could do a Poe you could do a, like a Poe prequel or something if you really mm. wanted to right I don't you, think you have to but I think there's a character there that could be interesting in a different story or in between some of the episodes maybe I, I feel like Finn but, has a whole story ahead well, of him right because yeah. Finn, yeah. Finn is yeah. a, yeah. A, a it has some force power in him and needs to figure out how to uh, how to do that I'm not saying that these are necessarily the way, the way you should go, but I feel like those characters should not be discarded, and that that might be a good time period to set uh, a future Star Wars movie in, not to 
also let's talk about audiences for a minute like let's stop <laughs> confusing, let's stop confusing <laughs> audiences about when your movie is set like the mandalorian confused enough people as it was like the mm. next star wars movies should all be set after the rise of star skywalker during yes. the same or, time or, period or, or way before i don't i feel like it no, can be clear i don't think we so the witcher we just had them happen all at once no i'm, I'm perfectly fine with with it with the, with a new star wars movie are we saying it has to be in the future i'm saying way way before i'm saying i think for the least audience confusion you just said it right after rise of skywalker well, that, that's that's a tng that's the tng model it's not yeah. the new the new ip model is you can set it whenever you want we keep we keep going back <laughs> right. we keep going backwards when we should be pushing forwards why not the future is open-ended in the start it was a long time ago you could keep going and it's still a long time ago far future and far past don't make a difference the star wars is already a long time ago but in the mandalorian it doesn't matter nobody it it really doesn't impact whether or not that story takes place before or after return of the jedi i hear you kelly but i also heard a lot of people who were really confused about when the mandalorian happened <laughs> like <laughs> i've heard that but i but most but mostly it was just it was curiosity and it wasn't yeah. like i have no idea what's happening in this show because i don't know what movie it comes back to yeah. i get it yeah that's true i, I think the, yeah. Ma the mandalorian is another good example but we talked about it being invested in the characters the mandalorian and solo i think are both examples of this of getting a character that you're going to be invested in their personal story like the mandalorian all there is is the personal story and it hinges on you being yeah. invested in this in this silent helmeted person's personal story <laughs> and and so does solo for that one and i know he's han solo and it's like oh well you know come on that's not you know no, they're not he's invested not in his personal yet his personal story but but i felt like solo did a really good job of getting you invested in the personal story of this person and who the hell is kira that's like someone we never heard of that story mm -hmm. that little that little set of character the main characters in solo forget pretend you had never seen them before pretend you put someone who has never seen star wars you put them down and you watch solo i think they'll be invested in the story of those few characters there which but, is why i'm also a big solo defender you but can also dislike like he wasn't for, like, han solo when that movie started right and and that's a lot of baggage that like i think weighed down that movie in terms of people like oh well i didn't want to hear about han solo and he's not like harrison ford or whatever but just forget about all that it was yeah. it really did make you care about those small group of characters and so did the mandalorian two movies that i think you know, or two franchise type things that, again, if you divorce from Star Wars, he's like, well, you made me care about a character. And then they did stuff and I cared when it was happening to them. And it was a story and I enjoyed it. And I'd be willing to see those people do more things. Yes. That's, that's the, all you can ask for. Jason, uh, my Monty. concern with setting a movie right after Rise of uh, whatever our Rise RTS of Skywalker, yeah. Rise, <laughs> Rise of Skywalker is... They keep just repeating stuff over and over again. So we had the Rebels and the Empire, and then the Rebels destroyed the Empire, and then the first movie back, well, now it's the Resistance and the First Republic, and it's exactly the same thing. And I kind of, mm -hmm. I want the Resistance to have won and not just go right back to whatever the new situation yes. is. No, what it should do is circle back around to the Republic becoming corrupt. I, <laughs> oh, no, I, I agree. I agree with you, Monty. I think that if, it, although I think it's easiest on audiences, if it's set after Rise of Skywalker and has some of these characters in it, I agree. What I don't want to see is another replay 
of there's a rebellion and there's an evil empire and they fight. Although, and this is a thing that the Mandalorian I thought did really well is it said, why don't we explore what it's like when there's a power vacuum, when there's been a, yeah. there's been a rebellion yeah. and it's been successful, but, uh, but it, it is easier said than done to get everybody in line. And usually you see chaos. I actually was, uh, Mandalorian makes me think about sort of like Iraq post to the Iraq war where it's chaos, right? It's not like that you march in and you're like, yay, we won. Now we're in charge. It's like, no, actually what happens now is chaos is sown and warlords rise and things like that. And yeah. Mandalorian did a great well, job of showing that. One of the things I think is interesting and is a commonality point between a lot of the, I'm going to say all the successful Star Wars stories, though, to, to sort of launch off that is the your protagonists are almost always underdogs right if it's the rebellion it's the resistance it's the mandalorian fighting against like all these people out to get him it's solo it's rogue one right like it's always the insurmountable odds it's i feel like there is an element of that inherent in the storytelling at least when it's working well except for the prequels except for the prequels which (laughs) hey they didn't work well there you go like and so i think that's that's why that that story that framework is uh is attractive i think Mm -hmm. um and part of the reason that they built it up again for the the second or the last trilogy um and i think you're right it it does feel like maybe you've gone to that well too many times but i think and there's other ways to capture that right like the mandalorian again like he's still being an underdog the odds can be against him like that's an interesting story it's Mm -hmm. interesting but like I don't know. Does anybody want to see the story about the like the the Republic bureaucrats who are just like hanging out? Well, I know I, I would actually like I, I agree with what you said about the underdog being the thing and always having a rebellion and that type of thing. And that has been in the DNA. And I'm not opposed to seeing that again. But me being the contrarian again of thinking in a different galaxy or whatever, like I'm willing to see to give an example of uh, the Battlestar Galactica the television series in the 70s or whatever it was, right? It was very similar. The Cylons were obviously evil. We're the good guys. There's a little bit of mystery, but it was very light versus dark or whatever. Very, very Star Wars in that vibe, right? Uh, Now, when Battlestar Galactica got rebooted, you would think it's starting the same way. Oh, the robots are evil. We're the good people or whatever. But it very quickly devolved into a much more modern look at warfare. Uh, I mean, if you think about, you know, even something in in a quote unquote black and white war like World War Two, where there was the good guys and the bad guys, we've made plenty of movies about, uh, you know, the the, the war in the Pacific from the perspective of the Japanese who are quote unquote the bad guys. But you can make a movie from their perspective and it works. I can see a Star Wars movie that still feels like Star Wars with two sides where neither one is obviously the evil and bad one. And there are people on both sides who sort of know each other's, you know, Battlestar Galactic did this fairly well. Like, getting the two sides to recognize their shared humanity <laughs> slash alienness or whatever, <laughs> and but they're still opposed to each other, and there is still a galactic war, and there are still stakes. You want, like, The Wire, but in Star Wars. <laughs> no, I mean, or like, if you no, have Star Wires. Ba- Star Wires? Anyway. Yeah. Because, because in Battlestar, <laughs> no. eventually, some of your favorite characters turned out to be Cylons. Spoilers. And then you had sympathy <laughs> for them, and you understood them. <laughs> you understood the Cylon cause, and like, like a way, and then you're like, that's not Star Wars. It's gotta be good versus evil, but I feel like that is, to get to Monty's point, like, I think we've done that pretty well. I'm open to the idea of a more complex conflict that reflects like, the, our current moment may be the moment to to have that you want good omens in star wars because that i want that now good omens but in star wars 
<laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, th- that was, I hate to say this, but I, I think that was actually sort of what George Lucas was trying to grab, grasp for in the prequels and well, he failed yes. to, he failed to yeah. do it. But I do think, mm-hmm. I think you're right. Is everything. Although again, in my, in my <laughs> plugging my post rise of Skywalker, I think there are stories to be told about what happens after the Jedi. There is force mm-hmm. in the galaxy. Ray is basically the last one. And we're in a situation where it isn't good versus evil. It's like, how do I build this up? How do I train people? What are the issues there? Who are and there the people? There will be conflict. Yeah, and exactly. It, and but it won't be like black and white guy in a, a white cape and guy in a dark cape breathing right. through a mask. That not that. And like the Mandalorian, the post Rise of Skywalker setting will be chaotic, right? Because it's a big galaxy, and even right. if the mm-hmm. forces of evil are routed, they're still going to be out there, and and they're going to be warlords, and there's going to be kind of like trying to establish order. And that's in that could be interesting. It's not good versus versus evil on a large scale it is kind of on a small scale and there are good stories to be told there too so you know i i think i think it could be done a lot of this is about like how you do it right is is if you if your lack of imagination about what makes a good star wars story is that it Mm -hmm. has to have dark jedi and light jedi and galaxy spanning uh stakes and all of that like those like those root movies are it's really selling the franchise short, I, it feels like. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I actually, I'd like to hear Dan's opinion on this, because it, having a franchise himself that has two oh. sides, one of them is, I mean... <laughs> Fra- franchise is overselling this, John. <laughs> all I'm saying is that, like, think big, Dan. There's, there's a kind of the good guys and kind of the bad guys, but I feel like you do a fairly even-handed job of saying, look, there's not, they're not all good and they're not all bad, and you're going to know characters on both sides and understand where they're coming from, and, you know? John is, of course, referring to Dan's coverage of Apple versus Google. It's true. <laughs> it's hard to tell. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's, no, that's I, uh, which one's good? <laughs> that's the question, well, isn't it? No, I think that's... I, I think you're right, John. There is an interesting story to be told there in which it's not about the monolithic good versus evil, but about the good versus evil struggle that maybe cuts laterally across the, the monolithic mm-hmm. struggle, mm-hmm. right? Or perpendicularly, I suppose. Um, I think... I, I'm not good at geometry. That's why I work with words. <laughs> Take the tangent. Um, it's an arc, arc, arc tangent of the cosine. Like cosine. Of the, yeah. mm-hmm. It goes up and down. Uh, no, but I, agendas. Uh, this next book. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think I, I certainly would be all here for that story. I think one of the fun parts of Star Wars is having characters who uh, don't always do you know good good characters that you like that don't always do good things or bad characters that people really identify with. Like I, I you know the Mandalorian is an interesting shades of gray character. <laughs> I think mm-hmm. Han Solo in in Solo particularly like he's a he's a crook right like he might have like a good heart but he's still doing things that are shady uh, and unseemly and i think the fact that the star wars galaxy finds so much of its life in those crevices in those shady crevices like ever since we first saw that cantina uh you mm-hmm. know where everything's sort of down and dirty and there's these it's not a clean universe right like there's a lot of stuff going on there like there's a criminal element and it's one thing that i think you know star trek has come around to in recent years but it was not something that they really played with in their original like uh, even starfleet's not shiny white anymore right right yeah exactly and so i think i think that that also reflects the the era in which we live in which those stories people have a harder time swallowing stories about these are the good guys and these are the bad guys uh when the answer is like 
everybody does good and bad things to some degree. It just sort of depends where you're, like, which side of the scales you come down From on. From a certain point of view. Mm. Exactly. I, yeah. I would be yeah. happy to watch a movie of Ahsoka Tano just out there in the galaxy doing cool stuff. Yeah. 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 I'd yeah. watch that with you. Right? Yeah. And I, I think... so. What do you all think about the idea that maybe the next Star Wars movie shouldn't... I, I know John said you should be prepared for it to be a series, but like, about it, it's just a movie about a character. Or is that... Or did Solo and Rogue One make them so gun-shy about that that, uh, no, it has to be a... It has to be a trilogy. I don't think Rogue One was going to be a series. Again, everybody dead. <laughs> Where's Rogue 2? But as a one-off story, <laughs> like... But I, there is a fair point know, there. Is that, like, Solo did, uh, regardless of the fact that it might be a good movie, it underperformed in a way that made them gun-shy about being like, let's make a movie that stands on its own. And by the way, Rogue One is spinning off a Disney Plus series, so it turns also out true, not yeah. so much. <laughs> not, Rogue not, Zero. Not, a lot, not a lot of returning characters, though, right? It's, yeah, well... <laughs> It's a prequel. And That's how it they do it. We can just bring people back from the dead without any explanation. So why not? It was explained in the comics. Uh, it's Cassian Andor and six Force ghosts. Yeah. So now, yes, absolutely. So, ghosts on a spree. So, so is that again? Like, would would that be the way to go? And I, I, again, I I feel like that is not necessarily prelude to a trilogy. It's also prelude to a sequel and other stories that maybe come together in the in a more Marvel esque kind of way. But like, do it, you? It's certainly it's certainly more gutsy to say you're making a trilogy if maybe you can attract directors that way it fits with the star wars mold like it it, it is gutsier but i think the, the the more shrewd move is to yeah have that plan internally but present it as a single movie so the way that we <laughs> I'll, I'll bring in the book publishing two thing there was a, a long time where like the phrase that you would use in a pitch email was it's a standalone but with series potential <laughs> and yeah. the idea being you yeah. don't tie up everything right like you leave maybe some kill hooks the in there you don't kill all the characters but the story stands on its own and I think the, event, the, the sort of brand I would throw that under is, the, is continuing adventures right like mm. the idea that you have these characters they go on an adventure might some of them have another adventure down the road sure why Might not there be some characters that weren't developed that much in the first book slash movie but maybe you're interested in hearing more about sure yeah or or, <laughs> so, or new characters who come in and then be like turn out to be super popular and they spin them off into their own movies or own series or something i think there's so much potential there they did that with thrawn and he like he got more books and i'm super excited because he's getting more books and i'm even more excited about those books and i want more of him in movie form because right now we have none and i would like any He's in the cartoons. He is great in the I cartoons. I know. He, that's why. But I want. I want. I love that character so much. Movie. I love Thrawn so much. Yeah. If you haven't read the Thrawn books, y'all, there's two trilogies of them. There's one that came out or, ages or ago. Or just start and, with the original one. I haven't. I everyone's I've, fawning I've, over Thrawn. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's important when you turn your one-off thing into a series, not to get locked mm -hmm. into where. Let's say you have to put R2-D2 and C-3PO in every movie, <laughs> right. regardless of whether they have anything to right. do. Yeah. We've ne we haven't but, mentioned them at all. Isn't that interesting? Like, just yeah. don't. There's, well, a, there's an element you don't need to include. And we love, we love those droids, but we don't yeah. need them. Yeah. We don't. I know somebody in the 1970s said, oh, these characters will be there through the whole series. You mm -hmm. can change your mind yeah. well, it's <laughs> 30 years yeah. later it's, once you've bought well, the property. It's too late. They did it. They were in all nine. I guess they got yeah. check it's, that box guy from 1979 in Starlog magazine. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> Good job. So let me let me turn it to, to TV because one of the other interesting aspects here is that with Disney Plus, 
Star Wars is no longer a live-action movie franchise. It is also a live-action television franchise, and we have The Mandalorian, and there are... And cartoons. Uh, well, cartoons. And, yes, mm-hmm. and cartoons. Mm-hmm. Well, I was talking about live-action, right? Like, cartoons or whatever, but they're good. They're fine. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> hey! They're not cartoons. How but old are you? It's I, anime. I was, animated. It's, it's, it's the big kitty cartoons. Anyway. There are oh. new Clown, Clone Wars episodes coming out weekly. I think that's relevant. So this is not what I'm talking about. I, I say, so Disney Plus opens this avenue for live-action Star Wars on television, and so let's let's talk about that a little bit because we saw the Mandalorian. We know there's theoretically this Obi-Wan series. There's a Cassian Andor series possibly. <laughs> I think I think this is really interesting. I look at Solo now and think, you know, Solo maybe flopped as a movie commercially, but not only was it a good movie, I thought, but I look at that and think there are a lot of interesting component parts there that could be followed up in a in a TV series. I'm going to now just mention in passing that I am a Padme truther. I believe she didn't die because there's no such thing as dying of a broken heart. And I think that you need to have Padme and Obi-Wan get together and check in on the kids in that Disney Plus series. She lost the will to live, okay? She just lost the will to live. I, I watched that movie today that Why? medical robot seemed pretty sure it's nonsense <laughs> it's nonsense don't believe him don't believe the robots podme lives anyway uh what what about what about live action disney plus series what any any thoughts about where they go there i will put serious money like frankly throw all the money at donald glover have him do a six episode <gasps> lando miniseries on disney plus come on that is I free money people is free money i just think there is so much potential because of the fact as we've seen with the mandalorian mm. they're willing to bend the rules of i mean like broad television has changed so much right if you want to do an eight episode series about a guy who never takes his hat off you can do that apparently right and and i think you can play around with how long your series are how long each individual episode are if that's if you just want to say it's a six episode mini series and it's done and then hey you know if it does really well maybe you come back with it but like i feel like you can get away with that because they yes. control the means of production and the give me whole it. thing give me, it doesn't give me, matter give me, give me, give me, they don't have to care me. about ratings they don't have to care about anything you can throw enough money at it to try it see if it works and if it doesn't you move on to another idea and if it does then you make more it's that really makes me think of even more of my wacky ideas like uh i was gonna pitch this as a movie idea but it would work as a tv series too because hey if it fizzles and no one likes it and you did six episodes who cares like yeah. uh rewind super far hey the first person to discover the force no one knew about the force but then someone discovered it and do a 12 episode series where like someone moves a rock in episode 11 right (laughs) i'm i'm all for that like a super long time ago in a galaxy really far away it's there's nothing happens in the first 10 episodes in the 11 episode 11 moves a rock First is like, you know, yeah. why is there a just, rock in the opening credits? That's like, weird. It, basically, it's it's the origin story formula, but for a power. You know, or for a rock. It, it, it's it's so, at some point, nobody knew about the force, and then somebody did know about the force, and how did that shake down? What were the consequences? Like in the fourth thinking, episode, he says, "You guys, I I feel like there's an energy connecting me and this tree over here." <laughs> I, you know, and I'm thinking like super serious, like like the opening of X Men with uh, the gates of Auschwitz and everything, like that type of you know. Right, we uh, had very you, different appeals. the the discovery of the force being a traumatic thing you know being being induced by trauma and it being itself traumatic and having world-shaking consequences and the person who has the power using it in you know in in moments of anger and doing bad things even though they're a good person like that's six to twelve episodes and people like that was weird remember they did the origin of the force i didn't like that series but it could be amazing and people love it and it spins off into game of thrones right i think that because i'm sorry i have to step away 
they built this amazing oh environment to shoot the Mandalorian in with the big LED screens yeah. that could be any the environment. Volume. There's no excuse not to be shooting something at all times. I want Dan's Lando series to include entire episode that takes place in the Cape Room on the Millennium mm. Falcon. <laughs> it's cheap to shoot. Too. Yeah, <laughs> right. You just need capes. You got to buy some you capes. Just, capes. just, just some capes. Capes are cheap. Capes yeah. come cheap. More TV ideas. All droid series. No humans. <laughs> they did a droid series. All Ewoks. <laughs> Wait, they did that too. They did that too. The Chewy series where like he never speaks in English no, the no, whole they all time. Speak perfect, they all speak perfect English with British accents. That's how, that's how they hear each other. <laughs> what are Itchy and oh, Lumpy up to? Let's find out. <laughs> oh, hollow porn. You know, you know just... John Favreau has joked about it, but I actually think that a Disney Plus Star Wars holiday special would be kind of brilliant. It would be kind of I... brilliant. I if, expect them to put it up on Disney Plus next year. No, no, I mean, a, I mean a new one. No, I know, but yes, yeah, I, I'm sure. I feel like that's one way to try to wash that taste out of your mouth. Though. <laughs> so, I mean, like, it's kind of a bold so move, it's but on, if it pays off, if, if I can, another way is bourbon. So, if I can extrapolate something uh, that uh, from this conversation, that especially about John's kind of approaches here, there really do seem to be two approaches. One is take some known elements or characters from the show and for, from the from the franchise and build a show or a movie around it and then the other one is take the really broad concept of star wars and build something completely new out of it and if i have to read between the lines of some of these uh, variety and hollywood reporter stories about what they've been doing with various uh, directors and writers over time it seems sort of like that that's what they're also struggling with internally is do we have enough confidence in a completely new setting and a completely new set of characters that is sort of star warsy to put down you know millions and hundreds of millions of dollars on something mm -hmm. or are we better off with things that are familiar and the funny thing is i think you're most bankable is probably some things that are familiar but if you want your franchise to grow and stay alive and be relevant you got to take better bigger risks than that i would just add do not use any of george lucas's ideas with the wills and stuff those are terrible <laughs> ideas they're new and they're different but those are bad no we can just use stay the away. concept art though the concept art's great no nope, do pass. that like, is it, <laughs> that like, wasn't him there you know that's the thing about going in an entirely new direction there is that risk of like, well, but what if the new ideas are all like bad and don't work out? Like y you can't just assume that you're going to catch lightning in a bottle. Like the part of the Star Wars was that the setting was great and everything, but it was also a bunch of really good ideas. There's a lot of risk in that, which is why I was saying th you can throw a bunch of those things against the, the wall in a TV series for far less money and see if any of them stick. But for the movie franchise, like you really, you really, that's where we get back to the, the creative in charge who understands Star Wars. Yes. You have to understand yeah. is this is this the direction I want to go? It's all new characters, all new setting, all new everything, no connection to Star Wars, uh, no connection to the old characters, but it's also actually a really good story, and, you know, if Star Wars never existed, this would still be but a good But it's movie. a Star Wars movie. Like, I think you can do that without having a Skywalker in it or whatever. Sure. I think that the important point as to what John is saying is if this is where I think Marvel misstepped uh, in its first attempt, which was it kind of 
tipped a hat towards TV stuff, um, but it kind of also let the TV stuff kind of go off and do its own thing, <laughs> which which was sometimes successful, but other times not very successful. And, and, and even when it was successful, the tones were so different. Yes, but like, and, and you can get some good stuff out of that. Like, you know, I will argue some of the Netflix stuff is really great, but it doesn't feel like no, the Marvel movies at like, all. And they, you can see they, names, but that's it. they decided, they decided that was not the right approach and they dialed back heavily on it. And so I think, again, if you want to learn something from that is that both the TV and the movie stuff should be under the same umbrella with the understanding of like, look, mm. these characters might yeah. never meet, but it has to be plausible that they live in the same galaxy. Right. And, and then nailed that with the Mandalorian. You look at that and you're yes. like, this is definitely 100%. the same universe. I have no yeah. question. Even though the show is so different in tone and pacing and structure, it, it was totally same. unlike any Star Wars movie that has ever been made, but the feel was 100% But it's absolutely Star Wars. Star Wars. Right. Yeah. yeah, And it ties in with the animated series, which Star Wars has had great success with some of their animated series. And that's the yeah. funny thing about the Mandalorian is what the Mandalorian doesn't do is say, well, there's an animated world and there's a live action world and they're really not the same. <laughs> right. It's like, no, they're, they're I mean, yeah, and I know that Rogue One did that. Where they had, one with, where they combine them. Yeah, with, yeah. Rogue One had a char- had uh, Sakurera, right, was a animated character yeah. who was also a live action character. But they, mm-hmm. you know, the Mandalorian is like, yeah, absolutely. The stuff you saw in animation, that happened. And, you know, the, there's a... It's just as real. It's just, yeah. But yeah. you know what? If you didn't watch that, I think that would be okay. And one of the things that I did really appreciate with the way Marvel did it was how you could pick and choose what you got out of the movies, right? Like it's a very different experience. If you go watch all of them, it's a very different experience. If you go watch all of them in, in whatever order, but also like if you just like Iron Man, you can just watch Iron Man movies and, and have an enjoyable and coherent story experience. And you can pick, you can pick and I, I chose, well, okay. I mean, you know, okay. It's not like I picked Thor, you guys. So there's <laughs> there's different like if you want to watch just the big ones with everybody in them, you can do that and you 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 might miss a little bit of the shading, but you still get an actual story and you get an arc and you see what happens. And you can just watch Iron Man and the big ones or just any other hero or just the heroes and no Avenger movies and you still get one. Like I don't want Star Wars to come with homework. That's where I'm headed with this. Like, yep. oh, God, it, what this if my homework make, had been Star Wars? That would have been the best. <laughs> but like, I don't want it to be like, it doesn't make sense. Because like my mom, for example, is not going to go read all those books. She's not going to sit down and watch watch um, Rebels or any of the animated series or anything like that. Like, I would like her to, but, you know, I don't think it's going to happen. So if my mom wants to go watch a Star Wars movie, she needs to be able to get a coherent experience out of it just like I do. Like when we yeah. watched, like her and I both saw Solo and we had very different experiences with that movie. So that's what I want. I don't want to tell someone, no, it's really a good movie. Just watch this 15 minute YouTube yeah. video. <laughs> oh, right. That gets you up to speed on six seasons of animation that you didn't watch. Like otherwise the movie doesn't make sense. That's the thing that I worry about with them doing, uh, you know, the Disney Plus series and stuff. And part of what I love about The Mandalorian is that it's very self-contained. Like it does sort of bump up against stuff that we know in the Star Wars universe, but it's not required. You didn't have to watch those movies. You didn't have to read books. You didn't have to watch an animated series. You don't have to any of the other stuff in order to watch the Mandalorian and have a good time. And I want the movies to have that same sort of thing. Yeah, I agree with that. You want accessibility and that's, you want, I think this is the truth with a lot of these kind of older franchises is you want 
to be welcoming. You want to bring in new people. You don't want it to just be as much as the Star Wars fans yell and scream about things they don't like about modern Star Wars movies. The fact is that you want to grow this business and you want to extend it to younger people and you need it to be relevant today. And it can't continue to be filled with nostalgia like the last (laughs) three movies were. It needs to stand on its own in some way. And that means you need to make decisions that lead you to do things that are different and try things that are new and different. And I don't know, maybe Disney Plus as a trial for things that might end up being successful uh, movies down the road is a way to do it because the risk is a lot less. But, you know, at the same time, there are, correct me if I'm wrong, like Dan, there are no Star Wars movies currently scheduled, right? Like nobody knows when there will be another Star Wars movie. Disney, I believe, has one on their schedule, but it's so far, it's 2022, I want to say, and who knows, anything could happen between now and then, basically. And we don't know what that would even be. Is it just there so they can say they have one? Like, is that why? Right. Well, there's nothing in active production. There may be some some stuff in pre-production, but... I don't think, you know, nothing only, is that far along. The only one we know, I mean, they talked about Ryan Johnson doing something, but it sounds to me like maybe that isn't happening since he's off yeah. doing his... He's doing Knives Out, too. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, that's right. And, and, and so the only one that sounds active to me at all is the Kevin Feige thing, where Kevin Feige is and going even, to produce a Star Wars movie. Even that, just saying he's going to produce a Star Wars movie, there's no writer, there's no director, there's yeah. nothing. Yeah. It's yeah. all very it's all very squishy, and yeah. I wonder if that date isn't just on the books so they can say it's on the books. Like, oh, sure. we have I mean, one coming... And then just, that's it. Yeah, Disney has a bunch of that stuff laid out for Marvel and Star Wars because they don't want to look like they don't have a plan. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) just keep the weekend open. We'll probably have something. We decided we're not using the Star Wars IP anymore. Yeah, what happens is Doctor Strange goes to, uh, you know, through a portal and then he's in Star Wars. (laughs) If nothing else, they can just re-release the theatrical cut of the first movie and everybody's happy for a few years. Yeah, that's right. Shuts everybody up. They can buy some time that way. I'd be okay with that. Yeah, and I think for the, on the nostalgia thing, I feel like that uh, I, I will forever defend uh, uh, Force Awakens for for having to do that, having to do it for and sure. do it well, because it needed to hit the reset button. It needed to show that they, we still can make good Star Wars movies, that they can be good and familiar in the way that you love. Then it can be argued that as the trilogy went wrong, that the Rise of Skywalker took it, zigged when it should have zagged. Uh, and you know that it had an opportunity after eight to go in a new direction and it tried to circle back it wasn't too successful but i feel like those those last three movies should have gotten that all like should have gotten that all out of their system like it was it was the ender of that saga it was all part of the original trilogy thing it couldn't help but be a reflection of that it couldn't help but you know it it would be foolish not to to connect it together because it's supposed to be a cohesive whole and you can argue about how successful it was but now you have a clean break and you can make that a super clean break where you can go thousands of years in either direction. You could make it a TNG style break where there's a little bit of an overlap, but really it's a new story with new characters and maybe some continuing characters or whatever. You have lots of choices, but there's nothing pulling you in the direction of you must do a familiar story with good versus evil and rebels and a light and dark Jedi and the pull of the dark side. And, and no matter how clever you think your twist is in that, and arguably the, the final trilogy did some interesting twists with like Kylo and you know, the, the, you know, the, the different, uh, different situation with the pull to the dark side and everything in that last trilogy was a little bit different don't try to do like another half degree twist on that like just set it all aside there's nothing tying you to that whatsoever you have so many choices that you can make that don't that don't require you to go back to that well like i feel like there should 
there's no excuse for them to do that. And if they do do that, and you mentioned before, like with the safe thing, they could make you more money or whatever. Honestly, at this point, I think that is a danger uh, to go back to any of those wells. Do not return to any of these wells <laughs> well, to the degree that you may feel like, especially when lots of money's on the line, it's like, all right, can we, but can we just, can we have some kind of thing? It's not a planet, it's not a Death Star, but it is spherical and it shoots things. Like, no, stop, stop, <laughs> just, just. Leave I it. think that does a disservice to the original trilogy. And I think part of the reason for that is that a lot of people that I talked to who saw that movie, who saw episode four, even episode five, when they were eight, 10, 12 and older, like it was fundamentally different from anything they ever saw in a movie theater before. And that's part of what we love so much about it is when you're, when, when you've seen, a fair number it seems almost like the older you were when you first saw it like the more it impressed you with how different from everything you'd seen before it actually was to see a new hope or to see empire strikes back like the first time and have it be so different from everything else i was very young so i didn't have a whole lot of like cinema experience to compare it to but the thing that i always liked about it and the reason i kept coming back to it is because it was so different from everything else and i think that if you keep retreading that thing that we all know now is familiar like you know for me like i always liken you know when i don't have something to watch i will put on episode four episode five and you know it's like my comfy sweater of movies and it didn't start that way like it started out as a nice sweater that i like to wear and then it became comfortable and now it's it's my go-to and that i think is the part that is getting lost in all of the retreading is that what people are trying to do is get back to that feeling of i've never seen anything like this before and it's blowing my mind and there isn't that with with telling me the same story again with all of those wells all of those spherical planet exploding majigs like sorry to be technical like all of that seems to be the the thing that's trying to recapture what we got in the first place which was i've never seen anything like this before and it's amazing and arguably marvel the marvel movies did that like even though yes if you know about the comics like well i've seen all this before these are all bits and pieces <laughs> of comic book stories like what are you talking about but there had never been a movie franchise that pulled off what marvel did it with yeah. the individual stories and the interconnections yes. and and like and so you would say well how oh, marvel wasn't showing me anything new it's superhero movies superhero movies are dime a dozen what are you talking about and there's comics but it's what it was it was showing you a new thing in cinema that movies can do this thing that they had never done before similarly for lots of high profile television shows that did a thing that maybe had been done before but not on television or not in this particular way and right. in the realm of movies it's very difficult to do that because there have been a lot of movies and they usually have big budgets and they're creative but <laughs> an example might be the matrix which is like well what are you talking about it's just wire foo and anyone who's seen anime and any kung fu movies it's like but lots of people hadn't seen those things and this was remixed and distilled to a different audience mm -hmm. and the matrix part of the reason the matrix was a hit is because it was giving a certain section of moviegoers something they had not seen in a movie in this way before despite the fact that it has all these obvious well, influences and, and, that, and that blend into it that's the real trick isn't it because so many things that come after those try to redo those things again mm -hmm. and don't do them as successfully if and, you just and, look and at like anything with, with the westerns sure, but, and, and kurosawa movies and everything yeah, like I was that gonna say, but if you look at stuff like you know dc trying to copy what marvel did or even like the terrible is that what dc was doing 
universal <laughs> dark, but sure i'm thinking about a... all of these movies that where it's like oh now they've hinted a cameo for this other character that's going to yeah. appear who's also from this movie franchise i mean i'm thinking of the terrible universal dark universe or whatever where yeah, they tried yeah. to make that yep. like people keep trying to copy this thing and, and people tried that with star wars too right like and and that's the trouble is like you need to get away from being bound to what you've done before but not so far away that you totally lose what made it great in the first place and right. if you can thread that needle then wow you've got it made it, that's why i go back to the Battlestar galactica reboot because you know Battlestar galactic was it was a star wars ripoff like the original series mm-hmm. right so let's do that and let's do it with 70 tv sensibilities and whatever and the reboot was okay well what how is this anything new it's a sci-fi show with a bunch of spaceships we've seen a million of those and Battlestar galactic was already a star wars ripoff so what are you showing me anything new and they combined it with an, you know, uh, sort of a parable about the rock war and like, well, we'd seen war movies before and we'd seen sci-fi things, but we'd never seen them mixed in that particular way. And that's why I think Battlestar, uh, you know, in the same way the Star Wars took a bunch of influences and combined them in, in a unique combination that was appealing. Battlestar did it. I think Star Wars can do it again. If they have people who are making these things who are sensitive to the sort of cultural moment that we're all in, cultural, political moment, whatever it may be, technological moment, like, and combine their influences to come up with a new formulation, like, this, the Star Wars universe is the perfect place to combine all those ingredients, right? It, it is boundless enough that you aren't hemmed in by any particular thing. But, you know, it helped. I guess, Palstar, like, I keep going back to that. It's... It was not a great franchise, not well respected. And they used that as the little dish to pour in some good ideas. And because it had that barest of name recognition, oh, I remember that was fun, had the silence or whatever, it got people in the door to watch Mm -hmm. a show that if it had just been, you know, uh, Starbucks Space Rangers and no one had ever heard of Battlestar, it would have been a lot harder (laughs) to get the initial audience for that show. Probably wouldn't have had time to grow into itself because in the beginning, Battlestar was a little shaky before it really got things, you know, under control. Well, I don't that's, know. I mean, the episode thirty-three that's just a submarine war movie. And that's the first. That's like that was the first yeah. episode of that's the regular the series after the miniseries. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but the miniseries was kind of stinky, though. Yeah, <laughs> it's a little creaky. Yeah, uh, I will say I don't want Star Wars to ever again have two people surprise turn out to be related. <laughs> <laughs> Unless it's like really like 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 baby. Y- Baby Yoda and Chewbacca, and I just want to be like, oh. so <laughs> once, and I mean, I don't even like Luke and Leia. Being did it work laden. once? I'm not sure it did. I still remember discovering that Vader was Luke's father. His name is Vader. I still Jason. remember the novelization because that came out a month before See, the movie. I remember reading Splinter of the Mind's Eye, which is written between Star Wars yeah. and Empire Strikes Back, oh and, they, and, and, and Luke and Leia kiss and all that, oh. and then we get to Empire, and I'm like, but 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 what? They have babies with nine heads. Oh yeah, no. no. So. Uh, before we go, I want to ask everybody. Um, I-, I mentioned earlier the menu of items that you could choose, and uh, from and you should maybe choose a couple and base your next Star Wars movie or TV show on that. If there was going to be a new Star Wars movie or TV show, what would be the two things that you would, the two aspects of Star Wars that you would like to see at the center of that? What are your two like? Char- it could be characters. It could be concepts. Two, give me two things from Star Wars that you're going to put at the center of when you're commissioning a fancy uh, writer to come up with a new Star Wars. Dan, do you have two things? Uh, my, off the top of my head, I'm thinking 
uh, spaceships, so potentially specifically X-wings and uh, okay. sm- smugglers. Those and are a pilot named Schman Schmorin. <laughs> X-wing. I was gonna go with spies and sort of a cold boy like, atmosphere, but that seemed a little so too X- close. To X-wings the mark. and smugglers. X-wings and smugglers. You say, yeah. All right. That's the name of the show. Okay, that sounds uh, great, John. Do you mm-hmm. have two elements that you would like I- in your Star Wars thing? I really want to pick three, but when you hear how broad they are, maybe you'll, maybe you'll let me pick an additional one. My, my Always breaking the rules. I, item the first is the Force. Yeah, okay, the Force. I'm, I'm super into that. Dan, Dan doesn't item, get that because he's just got yeah. spaceships and smugglers. Right. I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with Item it. the second is war. And war! The third one, exclamation point. Yeah. And, the, and the third one I'd like to throw in is romance. Love, like romantic okay. love. All right. And so I want Force... War and romantic love. Okay, a, to- a story of love uh, told across a uh, a battle, war torn galaxy, and people have the force. People which have is very upsetting. With, with magicians. Okay, Kelly, do you have two elements? Uh, I'm conflicted between the force and lightsabers because you kind of need the force to run a lightsaber effectively. So I, I, I'm not sure which one there, but one of our alien races, we've seen this story from the point of view of humans this whole time. And I would like it to be from the view of someone else. So Kelly's got aliens and lightsabers. Oh, I don't so. think you should, I don't think you should write off like a bunch of people who don't know how to use lightsabers, trying to use lightsabers because that could be amazing. Yeah, yeah. Han Solo did it. You know, cut open that tauntaun. Uh, I can't find the light. Lightsaber. A lot of limbs. <laughs> Alien kid finds a lightsaber. Monty, do you have two elements oh, from no. Star Wars that you would like? I was going to say cool alien races and Jedi, but that sounds a lot like hers. Yeah. Uh, but that's but, okay. They could still be really yeah, different shows. I'm saying it anyway, because <laughs> I recently watched the prequels, and one thing I like in Attack of the Clones, a bad movie, is the moment when all of the weird alien Jedi run on screen and you go, yes! oh, there's that guy with the tentacles. Oh, and the guy with a really long neck. What's his story? So I want to take yes! like five weird alien races. They're all Jedi. And I don't know. They have adventures or something. Okay. They, they live in a house. All right. You get to get the animated <laughs> and, show. And, and yep. mine is going to be um, far off planets at the edge of the galaxy where there isn't much government control and droids because <laughs> i want to know <laughs> look sir i have lots of questions about droids and i if you listen to all of our star wars episodes you will hear me ask them and there are never any good answers about what are their rights what are they alive do people think they're alive <laughs> do they do, you know i so I'm going to say droids on a far off. It could be a desert planet. It could be an ice planet. It could be a rain planet. Any of the kinds of planet that have one ecology. But on like the, all planets do. But I mean, getting at my kind of like the idea that out, out here, you know, what does it mean when there was an empire and now there's a republic or what, you know, does it, is there an attempt to exert some sort of control and how do they react to that? And then also there are droids and are they alive or not? So those are going to be my elements. But th- I think my point here is, Star Wars has got a lot of elements and you don't need, you could pick a couple of them and there's some interesting stories that just literally fall out of a couple of interesting aspects of Star Wars. That's why it's so interesting as a franchise because it's so rich. It's got so many different elements. Pick two and you've probably got a pretty good story. I'll let John have three because he chose war and romance, which are very (laughs) broad. The force, don't forget the force. And the force. Yep. Yep. 
Anything else we should discuss? Anything that you want to get off your chest before we go about Star Wars and where it's going next? Oh, my God. Uh, as somebody who just watched the prequels, <laughs> I want to go back to the first thing we said, which is, what if you made the movies good? Hmm. 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 Like, Bold choice. You can be as on the nose as you want, but God, maybe... Uh, <laughs> Maybe not have a million CGI things uh, on the screen. We know you have computers. Overarching. That's the thing. I don't care what it is if it's good. If it's well, good. Not, yeah. no. You can't dazzle us with visuals anymore. Yeah. We know you it's can true. show us anything you can think of. Try thinking of something interesting this time. <laughs> <laughs> Monty, that's what I thought about. That to me is why the original trilogy stands out the way that it does to me is because you can feel all the care and all of that got engineered out in favor of CG in the prequel trilogy. I, so I, I feel like it stands out even more when you compare it to those those other movies. I think Ahmed Best cared very much and I still don't care yeah, to no, watch there, it. There was a lot of care in the prequels. It was all in service of a badly written script and a not It all felt story. engineered out. I didn't feel any... That's all well, it is. It I, feels I mean, sterile. Here's the place I feel is like in the ship designs and the setting designs. A lot of the art in the prequels, including the music, is all very good. And then just a bunch of people are saying nonsense words and it's a stupid yeah. story. I, I was going to say one one thing we didn't really touch on, which I actually think is interesting to discuss, is, is kind of a, a when, a timeline question. Because we're at this point now where the last movie just came out. Over the last couple of years, we've had a new Star Wars movie basically every year to two years, depending. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... How how long do you give it? Like, how long do you let it lie fallow? Because I would argue, I think it needs a few years. I think you need a few years to kind of maybe let the last movie settle. And like, the maybe you, you run some Disney Plus shows in the meantime to keep the sort of the universe alive. But I feel like you don't jump into a new movie again immediately. We're used to like eight to ten years between, <laughs> between I series. I, I think if you've got... What I would say is, if you've got a good idea, you shouldn't wait. I don't think waiting hurts you if you've got a good idea. But what I don't think you should do is set a a, a release date and then Mm -hmm. release whatever you happen to have by that moment, right? Like I don't think you can afford to take it. You can afford to take it. That seems to have happened in this last few years, right? It seems to have happened that they felt the pressure and they fired directors. When you're committed to a trilogy schedule, like you don't want to wait too long between. That kind of makes some sense. But at this point, yeah, I, I don't think they should wait to do them. But I think. If you are going to execute well on any of the things we've come up with in terms of movies, it's going to take a long time to actually do it. Yeah, so, right. y- like, I think it would be fine to come up with, if you had a time machine, to come up with any of the movies that we've described next year. Like, I don't think you have to wait for the audience. That's the thing of, like, oh, you need to let the audience just get chill out and get used to it and, like, make them want Star Wars again by not having it for a while. I think you do I, not need I it. always want Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. And that gap yeah. only happens once. Like, you only have one... There's only one time that there's ever a time that you have to wait because the minute that movie or TV show or book or whatever comes out, there's no more gap anymore. You can binge like as of December of last year, you could watch nine Star Wars movies in a row at the end. And if you wait, somebody else might come out with their new space mm-hmm. opera series. And <laughs> yeah. Whoops! I mean, if, if you know, yeah. I think these these recent Star the J.J. Abrams Star Trek movies were an example of that, where they didn't make Star good with Star Wars movies for a while. And J.J. Abrams made a couple of good Star Wars movies that were called Star Trek movies. Yep. <laughs> That was a very confusing sentence, but I followed you. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> I love Star Wars. We love Star Wars. That's so that's, much. That's it. That's the bottom line. Is we 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 talk about all this stuff because we do love Star Wars and we want it to be. We want it to succeed. And I don't know what's going to happen. I think. I, I think if we look back at at the last few years, what we really see is that Disney saw an opportunity to buy Star Wars, and they've they 
had an initial conception of how it was going to go. And they executed on that. And I think at, in 2020, they are thinking about how, all the things that they decided that were wrong and trying to come up with a new concept. And I think that's only right. Like, they had an idea. They took their shot. They made some money. But they also had some failures. And they got to figure it out going forward. Like, what do we do now? What What's the next thing? And I think all of us are pretty firm in that in the idea that star Wars is a rich, rich universe in which to build uh, new products and tell new stories. You just have to make the right decisions to do it. And, and uh, no more death stars. I think that's the other <laughs> thing we learned. No more death stars. Um, I, I look forward to seeing whatever is next. The answer is season two of the Mandalorian is what's next. So, and, and ongoing the clone wars final season on Disney plus the animated series, the clone wars. Uh, I still haven't seen the Clone Wars animated series, although I've watched a lot of Rebels and Rebels is is good. It's good, but it does not really plug into the uh, things that happen in Revenge of the Sith the way I thought it was Mm. going to. So uh, until we talk about Star Wars again, as we inevitably will, I want to thank my panelists for being here to talk about Star Wars uh, right now. Dan Morin, thank you. Force will be with us, Jason. Always. Live long and prosper, Dan. Kelly Gamont, thank you. (laughs) Podcasts are built on hope. Monty Ashley, thank you. Yup, nub. (laughs) (laughs) And John Syracuse um, Bears beats Battlestar Galactica. (sighs) Kathleen, call me. My rates are very reasonable. (laughs) $700,000 per screenplay. Not, not that reasonable. No. Um, <laughs> and uh, thanks to everybody out there for listening to this episode of The Incomparable. We will see you next time. <laughs>